Have you ever sat down to write website copy or a blog post, tried to come up with products and services, or just respond to that question, what do you do, and you just froze? Not because of fear or imposter syndrome, which you and I both know can be 100% real, but you froze because you really didn't know who your ideal client was. You didn't know what they needed or they wanted from you, which can make you feel like you're just shooting in the dark, hoping, please, something sticks. Welcome to the Enough Already podcast. I'm your host, Betsy Jordan, and in every episode, we talk about finding the courage to turn your unique strengths, perspective, and experience into a profitable and purpose-driven consulting or coaching business. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to solve that confusion. We're going to be talking about the five simple steps to developing your ideal client archetype which builds on what we talked about in episode 37, on why people don't get it when you talk and write about what you do, and in episode 38, on what is an ideal client archetype and why you need one. If you've missed either of these episodes, you'll definitely wanna go back and listen in. Now, let's go from theory into practice, where I walk you through the five simple steps to creating your ideal client archetype so you can have clarity on exactly Who is the client that you want to serve? What do they want? And what do they need from your consulting and coaching? And who is the person you'd love working with? This is the ultimate win-win and the path to having ease in your business. So let's dive in. Let's talk about what is the goal of a well-designed ideal client archetype. Let's make sure you and I are on the same page around this. And I'm going to explain it when I take you back in time and I talk about when I first downloaded Pandora. I was so excited about Pandora. I set up my channel with one of my favorite songs and it was great. And then the next song came on and I was like, oh my gosh, I love this song too. And the next one came on and then I'm thinking, oh my gosh, Pandora gets me. It really gets me. That is the power you'll unleash for your ideal clients when you do work on your ideal client archetype. You're going to write copy that makes your clients feel like you are reading their minds, which by the way, creates so much more credibility with your clients than your latest certifications or advanced degrees ever could. You're gonna be able to create products or services that makes your clients say, this is exactly what I need. I got that validation on my ideal client archetype this week. I had two intro calls and the feedback I got was super powerful and very, very meaningful for me. You know, what they had pointed out is the copy that I had on my website. They pointed out that how much they felt like I was inside their heads and I was had such empathy for what they were going through. And then when I put my programs in front of them, they're like, this is exactly what I've been praying for. So it's a beautiful win-win because what I wanna do and what I wanna offer is perfectly aligned with what my clients need. This is the goal we're after. We wanna have such a clear picture of the person you wanna serve that my favorite Lin-Manuel Miranda could use your ideal client archetype to write the next Hamilton about that person. So I'm gonna be using the acronym. I've turned the ideal and the ideal client archetype into an acronym to make it easier for you to learn and master these simple steps to your ideal client archetype and memorable so that you can always have the spotlight of your business on your ideal client next time you sit down to write copy or a blog or try to figure out the services your clients want and would be willing to pay for. So let's get into the acronym. Let's begin with I. The I represents if I had it all your way. So if you work with me one-on-one, you're gonna hear me say this phrase over and over again, if you had it all your way. So if you had it all your way, who is the ideal client that you'd love to fill your pipeline with? If you had it all your way, 
Who would you want to work with all the time? Who would be booking calls with you? Your ideal client is not the person that you'd be okay doing business with. It's not the person that just happens to call you. It's the person you'd love to work with and who'd love to work with you. One of the examples I use all the time in my one-on-one coaching is from Santa Claus 2. So that's that old Christmas movie where Tim Allen's Santa had to leave the North Pole to get married, but the operation still had to run. So one of the clever elves created a machine that replicated Tim Allen's Santa. So there was all of these Santas, you know, Tim Allen's Santa went into the machine and out popped a bunch of Tim Allen Santas. So imagine this, that there's a magic machine that you could pop in your ideal client archetype and it would just replicate this person. That's who we're going after here. And let me give you a hint on who your ideal client is. You already know your ideal client. A lot of my clients say, I don't know who my ideal client is. And I would say, yes, you do. Because if it's your ideal client, it's something organic to your life. It's makes it's going to make logical sense. So it's either someone who has consistently come to you for help, who's always come to you for help, or you've been drawn to help, or it could simply be a younger version of you. So my tip to you is just pay attention to the people who are coming to you and what the, what do they have in common? So for example, for me, throughout my career, I've always been the person that accomplished people turn to when they're in the middle of some sort of significant career-related transition. This has always been my pattern, even when I was brand new as a consultant, and it stayed with me. I always know somebody calls me up if it's a colleague I haven't seen for a while, and they call me out of the blue, uh, and they're like, hey, let's go have coffee or let's go get a drink. And it's like I sit there at the meeting and I definitely listen with them. But it's like I know five, four, three, two, one. They're going to tell me about their transition. Something's going on. They either want to leave corporate to start a business. They lost their job or they have a business and they want it to be more impactful. This is the way it's been. And what's really exciting for me is this is what I love the most. So pay attention because you are putting out there this energy of what you really want to help people with and people are responding. So just become more mindful. It was really important for me to understand this as I was building my business, my dream business. I was for a long time under the illusion that people came to me because of my organization development expertise. But when I really paid attention, people didn't ask me to teach them my OD best practices. I mean, they kind of needed to know. It was sort of a check the box. But what they really asked me, even when they asked me about organization development, they asked me, how do I get into organization development? Again, it's the career transition element. So what about you? If you had it all your way, who do you want to help with your business? So that's the I. Now let's talk about the D. The D, demographics. So demographics are the surface details about the person you want to serve. Now, when you are eventually in your business and you're going to want to do ads or you're going to want to do any SEO, you need demographics because this is going to be a really important element if you're ever going to target ads and make the most of them. But when it comes to your branding, your demographics will help you clarify your ideal business model, but they also give you insight into the problems that your clients might have that are relevant for your expertise. So there's a lot of different demographics. I'm just going to go over a few of them that are really important to illustrate how demographics play out in your brand building. Age. Age is really important because what people want and the priorities they have shift at different age and life stages, different career stages. So for example, my daughter Hannah is turning 21 soon. So she's in college and she's making her first major life choices. My stepdaughter Katie though, she's 32 and she is in the upswing of her career. She is totally rocking it in accounting and she definitely has ambitions to climb the corporate ladder. So if you are a career coach, 
to two women, let's say, for example, you'd have very different messages if you were talking to either one of them. If you were talking to Hannah, you talk to her about our pain around not knowing how in the world do you put a resume together? How do you what do you do in an interview? What do you say in an interview? How do you dress for an interview? How do you negotiate your salary for your first professional job? Or how do you even apply for them? If you're talking to Katie, she already knows those things. But what Katie doesn't know and the pain that she would have is, how do I get ready for my first significant leadership job? That's what she's wondering about. How do I be a leader? How do I get on the succession plan? How do I transition from being someone who's been in the orchestra to the conductor, so to speak? She may not know how to negotiate a salary that includes bonuses and so much more. So you'd have very different things that you'd be communicating. Occupation relates to where your clients work and the role they have. So this may or may not be as critical for coaches who have a B2C business, but it's absolutely essential for consultants and coaches who are going after organizational work. So the words that you use in your marketing would be very different. Let's say if you were trying to attract an operations executive of a large hospitality company versus the founder of a startup business. Both of these clients might be interested in growing their business, but what that growth looks like and the problems I have and how they see the world are two very different things. You know, if you were talking to the leader of a startup, you'd say things like, you know, you have a great idea for your company, you know it has potential for scale and maybe sale, but you're struggling with all the ideas you have for your business, can't tell which ones are worth investing your time and money in. Hey, and speaking of money, you know you need to find investors who's going to fund all these ideas and the idea of fundraising makes you want to give it all up and just get a job. That's what you would say to a startup person. But if you were talking to an operations leader in that large company, you'd say something like, your company's number one, and it intends to stay there. And you play a key role in making that happen. But your company is struggling with staying relevant to your customers. And the entire senior team has different ideas for growth. So you need a thinking partner and a sounding board to help you wrangle the team and get them focused on innovating your company for the next stage of growth. You see the difference. You can't just talk about business growth. If you're just talking to everybody, you really are talking to nobody because you're going to have messages that are just so watered down. Company industry is important. That's another demographic category because you really want to enjoy and be engaged in the work that your client is involved in because company industry, they're going to talk about shop. They're going to talk shop. Of course they are. And I've been told by many people that I can offer my brain whispering talents to all kinds of entrepreneurs. And I know that's true, but I really love working with consultants, coaches, and speakers because A, I know this world intimately and B, I'm passionate about branding not because it's some sort of marketing exercise, but because I'm passionate about helping people uncover and activate their authentic identity in the world. So consulting, coaching, and speaking brands are all about identity. So there's much more of a fit. And I could speak to this audience. People value when I do my training programs that is directed to them. In some cases, industry isn't relevant. So for example, my clients, Josh and Christy, are marriage coaches, and they work with Christians who are blending their families. But if industry is important, the way that you know which industry you should focus on is try my walk the floor test. So clients, understandably, will want you to understand their business. So they're going to have you, quote unquote, walk the floor. They're going to want you to walk their production floor, visit their hotels, experience their food. And so imagine yourself you know, getting familiar with the business that your client is in. Where would you get excited and where would you feel dread? For me... I grew up in hospitality, retail. My dad had shoe stores all around Chicago. I spent all those years at Disney. Love it. A hotel or spa, I'm there. But my client, Dave, 
he gets super excited around manufacturing organizations because that's how he grew up. So you think about it, where would you want to be? So that's an important element. Okay, so now let's talk about the E in this model, and that's energy. So in episode 28, I talked about four different types of superpowers using the language of archetypes, and I am a huge, massive fan of archetypes. I love them. They are the foundation of personality tests like the Myers-Briggs Types Indicator, which I love the Myers-Briggs as well. I love all the personality tests, but I like archetypes so much more because I believe that they give a more comprehensive insight into how people are wired their personality, their characteristics, their motivations, their values, their worldview, and so much more. And when applied to the marketing world, they provide an ethical hack into the hearts and minds of your ideal client. The other cool thing about archetypes is they tap into existing meaning that we all understand. So the best marketers and storytellers like my former employer, Disney, get this and use it extensively. You're speaking the language of archetypes all the time. When you say things like, he's such a bully, or she's such a queen, or they're such a miser. Those are all those opportunities where you are in the realm of archetypes. So the best actors and actresses play according to their archetype. Tom Hanks is the everyman. Jennifer Aniston is the girl next door. Chris Evans is the hero. Our favorite movies are archetypal. Star Wars, Harry Potter, Wizard of Oz, all of them. They all have these archetypes that we all understand. On a subconscious level, in many cases, some of us pay attention like I do, where I went and got a certification as an architect consultant, but it's just there. It's in our DNA. So there are an unlimited number of archetypes. So you'll see out there, if you look up archetypes and branding, that some people have just labeled that there's 12 of them. I don't believe that there's only 12 of them. I believe there's an endless amount, but we need to have some order, right? We have to have some sort of categories for us to make it useful. So for our purposes, I've organized archetypes into four families as they relate to the world of work. So I've organized them according to visionaries, sages, caretakers, and warriors. So your ideal client has one home base and perhaps a secondary base that influences how she, she, they see the world. So quick definitions between these two. Visionaries like Lin-Manuel Miranda, my favorite, Moira from Schitt's Creek, Walt Disney, Elizabeth Gilbert, Phoebe from Friends, Doctor Strange from Marvel. These visionaries are all about creative expression, the world of ideas and what's possible. Sages like Oprah Winfrey, Jim Collins, Brene Brown, Ross from Friends, Marty from Ozark, my latest obsession, Barack Obama, Tony Stark, Chris Banner from Marvel are all about learning data and creating structures and plans and creative out-of-the-box ideas to regular everyday problems. Sages are all about that type of knowledge. Caretakers like Tom Hanks, Ted Lasso, another show I'm obsessed with. Seems like I watch TV all the time. I don't. I'm just trying to bring these characters to life because something that we could all relate to. But Ted Lasso, Joe Biden, Rachel from Friends, and a Captain America, and Spider-Man from Marvel. They're all about connection within, between, and among people. They're about caring, equipping, and influencing. Warriors are like Tony Robbins, LeBron James, Monica from Friends, Hulk and Thor from Marvel. They're all about action, accomplishment, performance, achievement, and making things happen. So your clients are going to be in those buckets. You'll be able to tell the difference between these four is if imagine yourself leading a meeting and you have a problem at hand and you're gonna say, okay, here's the problem. And you'll have the visionaries are going to say, hmm, let's think about it differently. And you're going to have the sages say, this is what I think. And then you're going to have the caretakers will say, well, this is how I feel about it. 
And then you're going to have the warriors are going to say, this is what I need to do. So different archetypes might have the same problem, but they experience these problems differently. So let's say you want to help that startup founder who wants to grow a business. A visionary startup business owner might be struggling with all the ideas that they have and worry that their ideas aren't good enough or original enough. But let's say that that startup founder is more of a sage. A sage might have that same exact problem, but they're up at night worrying about stability and sustainability. But let's say that person's a caretaker. They're going to be up all night worrying about the people side, having the right people, leading them well, connecting with customers, having time for family. But the warrior startup leader might be having angst around how do their results compare to others or they're not achieving their goals fast enough. So depending on the archetype, you'd use different attraction words in your copy, depending on who you're talking to. To a visionary, you might use words like awe-aspiring, dazzling, profound, and new. To a sage, you might use words like comprehensive, step-by-step, reliable, proven, guaranteed. To a caretaker, you might use words like popular, heartwarming, mutual benefit. And to a warrior, you might use words like quick start, speedy, supercharge, and accelerate. For me, my clients on the whole, they all share the sage archetype in some way. So some of my clients might have sage as their number one or their number two, but they all have it in some sort of way, which is why you'll see on my website, so many steps and plans. And I talk more about sustainable and predictable profits over, you know, you too can make a million dollars, which would appeal more to the warrior consultant who wants a quick path to wealth. So this is one of the things that I love about the copywriting process that my copywriter and I use with our clients is that we do really understand who our who our clients are trying to serve as well as the archetypal energy of our clients. And we try to bring it together into that copy. You know, so whether we're plussing up copy that somebody else has written or we are just working on the first draft of copy for our clients, we really work hard to bring this energetic element, which I think makes our copywriting process very different. If you do want some help on your copy, please check out www.betsyjordanwithay.com forward slash copywriting or go to www.betsyjordan.com slash schedule for us to chat about it. So either you can learn about it and if it sounds good, let's get on a call or you can just go straight to the calendar if you really wanna make sure that your copy is definitely speaking to your ideal clients. So let's talk about the A. The A represents angst and aspirations. So people change and hire consultants and coaches out of vision, consequences, or pain. Now, we wish that they would do so purely out of vision, but most of the time, it's pain that gets people to move. So angst represents what your client, frankly, is just in pain about that will motivate them to search for a solution. Pain is simply an expression of an unmet need in one of four areas, money, time, relationships or people, and emotional physical state. So money pain is all about not having enough or wasting the money they have. Time pain is about roadblocks, redundancy. Relationship pain is about not having an important relationship, conflict in that relationship, or loss or threat of loss in that relationship. An emotional physical state is all about well-being and health. So angst is what's what's on the surface, what they're experiencing. But underneath the angst are the aspirations or a goal that your client wants to achieve that these pain points are revealing. So your client has a defined goal. They have something that they want for their career, 
their business and or their life once this pain is alleviated. So if their pain is stress, what would they achieve if it wasn't there? Would they land a dream job? Would they go to the edge of divorce back to happy again? If their pain is not having enough clients, what would they be able to achieve? Is it a profitable business that allows them to quit their nine to five or a business that they could sell? So understanding your client's goal is the most challenging and critical part of your brand building because your brand is simply a promise that you make and consistently deliver. So you'll own your premium brand positioning when you could tap into this transformational problem and goal that your client is seeking to solve versus whack-a-moleing the pain points or just being a service provider on whatever a client wants. So for me, for example, my I have tons of services, tons of programs that I offer my clients that are tangible and they create value in themselves. There is a lot of value of having a custom designed website using amazing visual branding or the copywriting that I just mentioned or my brand mentoring or the content creation. But these services are all in service of something bigger, a goal that I'm trying to help my clients achieve, which is growing a high profit, high impact consulting or coaching business. This is what my clients want. So when I get help, when, when I get focused and help them get focused on this is the goal, now we have a much more strategic and meaningful partnership. As an executive coach or leadership consultant, you might offer assessments, one-on-one coaching, workshops, group coaching, but to what end? Are you trying to help a company create the talent team that will lead the organization to number one in the industry? Are you trying to help an established company that is stuck and stagnant and at risk of losing their market dominance to the competition, reinvigorate the team and help them innovate new ways of serving customers and product opportunities? What's the goal behind the pain? That's a critical question. All right, now let's get into the L. So L represents limitations or limits. Limitations are simply why has your client not solved the problem and achieved their goals yet? What's in their way? What holds them back from bridging their own gap between today and their ideal state? Those things are the things that you can create products and services to solve. So there's four types of limitations, strategy, skills, tools, and perspective. So strategy limits are simply that they don't know the steps to move from today to their ideal state. Skill limits are is maybe they know the steps to take, but they don't have the necessary skills or the proficiency in those skills to take the steps. Tool limits are when they don't have the resources and tools required to implement their plan and take the necessary steps. So for example, there's a lot of tools you might need as a business owner, such as like a website, business cards, online calendar, LinkedIn profile, proposal template, sales scripts, and so much more. Your clients in an organization might have similar types of tool needs, but might be more broad, like IT systems or CRM, job aids, rewards, incentives, physical space, investors. They also can be considered tool limits. Tools to me are the tangible, practical things that people need in order to implement their plan. So picture like a carpenter. They have a whole bunch of tools in order to do their job. They might have a hammer. They might have a drill. These are the things that your client actually needs from that standpoint. So let's talk about perspective limits, which are biggies when it comes to consultants and coaches. The number one reason why consultants are brought into organizations is because clients don't have that outside perspective. 
So maybe a client has worked on their strategies. Maybe they have a team to develop their skills. Maybe they need some help with the tools, but the big thing they need is maybe to wrangle those stakeholder perspectives that are all over the place, or maybe they need validation on the direction that they're pursuing. Maybe they need help, a thinking partner to help them think bigger or different than what they're doing. That's why a consultant in many cases are brought in. Coaches are brought into these engagements as well as when the leaders themselves are stuck in the old ways of this is how we've always done it, thinking. A big part of the work I do with my clients is around perspective, enlarging their perspective on what's possible and what they can monetize and the courage and the belief that they can achieve that bigger dream. So as a coach, you do this all the time as well, correct? Perspective limits you might solve for is that a client might know the steps from their today to their ideal state. They may have the skills to walk those steps. They may know how to create or buy the tools that they need, but it's the confidence they lack to go on that journey. So when you're clear on what holds your client back, you'll get clear on what services you need to provide and how to package them, how to structure them so that they are seen as that solution that your clients have been looking for. The other thing I wanna talk about about limits before I put a bow on this section is limits also include what's at stake if your clients don't solve their problems and achieve their goal. What will your client lose if things stay the way they are? What will be the tangible impact in terms of missed opportunities, money left on the table, wasted money and time? What will be the intangible impact in terms of regret of not taking a chance or remaining in place where the choices that they're continuing to make, they will continue to make that don't serve anymore? And then what's possible if they do have a solution? What will they gain? When you clarify that, you will have the rational and emotional business case for why a client must hire you. When I started my business almost 15 years ago, what sealed the deal for me to invest the money I had in my business and my website versus going out and getting a job is that emotional business case. I did not want to have the regret of missing out on being there for my girls who were three and five at the time, who are now 18 and 21 or almost 21. It was the best decision I've ever made. My clients say to me all the time, that my partnership setup conversations, which is the word I use to call sales, are so powerful because I get this. I had a coach that helped me get the courage to act on this intangible business case. So this is what I do with my clients. And this is what will transform your sales abilities. You, When you really understand the limits and you understand what's at stake, you'll understand how to overcome the number one objection that clients have about working with us that literally have nothing to do with us. It has to do with their own fears of change. When we get this and when we understand what's at stake for them, if they don't act, we'll be more present to this dynamic. And when they're bringing up the objections, we're not gonna take it personally. When they ask us about our fees or are we the right fit, we're gonna understand it's not personal. It's not about us. It's about their fear of the unknown. And then we'll be able to help them create their own message points to overcome their own issues that will allow them to sign on the dotted line to work with us, which represents signing on the dotted line to achieving the goal that they really want, that deep down they're worried that they're not going to be able to achieve. That's what we help them do. So understanding limits helps you with all of that. So let's recap the five parts and steps to your ideal client archetype. I if I had it all my way. If you could fill your pipeline with this type of person, who would it be? D, demographics. 
How would you describe the service details of your ideal client, such as age, occupation, gender identity, income, etc.? E, energy. What is the archetypal power alley of your ideal client, and how does it influence their motivations, desires, what they want, and their challenges? A, angst and ambition. What's your client in pain about, and what defined goal does your client want to achieve? And then L, limitations. What's holding your client back from solving their problems and achieving their goal? And what's at stake if they don't get a solution? So it's time for you to take action. Let's talk about where you might get stuck figuring this out. Reason number one, crafting an ideal archetype like I'm outlining here for you requires you to get out of your own head and into somebody else's head. And that is extremely hard to do so. You got to quell your own scarcity fears and try to imagine the conversation that's going on inside of your clients as it's happening versus what you wish was happening. You may wish someone sitting up at night thinking something like, you know, I really wish I could find a coach who can give me accountability to help me trust myself to unlock my authenticity. But the real thing that they might be thinking is, if I have to bite my tongue and hold back what I really think in one more meeting, I think I might go crazy. So to create an ideal client archetype that is effective, you have to join the conversation that is going on inside their heads, not as you wish it would be, but what it actually is. And many times we want to speak to the transformation that we see for our clients that's at the end of working with us that they may not yet see for themselves. There is a place for that. There's so many places that you could talk about the transformation, inspire them. You could talk about in your content, you could weave it into your branding. But what you need to be able to communicate is, yes, this is what you're going to get plus more. So let's say you do offer that intangible benefit where clients will trust themselves more, grow in their intuition. You'll say something like, you tell them, okay, you're going to get what you want. You're going to get that promotion to the C-suite and you will trust yourself. You want to be able to put the extra thing that you know that you're creating for them in the context of what it is that they're going after. So let's talk about the easiest solution to overcome this challenge. It's simply to talk to real life clients and ask them meaningful questions to draw out of them. What are they in pain about? What are their goals? What are their limits? And what words do they use to describe it? One of the most transformational parts of my brand positioning and messaging work I do with my clients is this market scan. I got questions that you can ask your clients that I promise you will make them feel honored to talk to you about your business and they will open up. They will share their, what's on their hearts. They will share what's on your mind with you. And I'm going to help you ask these questions in such a way that you're going to get copy that you could swipe for your website and your marketing and your testimonials, your case studies, and so much more. So if you want to work with me on that, definitely reach out. To help you out with this, I'm starting a mini series on this podcast over the next few weeks that I'm calling my favorite executive series, where I'm interviewing some seriously amazing senior leaders about their journey to the C-suite, their leadership philosophies and beliefs, what motivates them to look for consultants and coaches, and what they look for in a consultant and coach. So hit subscribe on your podcast app so you don't miss it. The second reason why you might have a hard time completing this ideal client archetype is you're stuck at the I part of this process because you don't know who you want to serve with your business. So there's a couple reasons why you might be struggling with this. So maybe you're just starting out and you just haven't figured it out. If you feel this, this is an example of a strategy limit. If let's say you're caught though, here's another reason. You might be caught between the business that you want and the business that you think is smart and will make you money. Okay, so now you've got this myth here is that if I want to build a business that makes money doing what I love, it won't make money. Like that's the whole idea. You're dealing with that myth. 
This is an example of a perspective limit that's standing in your way of building that business and life that you love. So to help you out with that, of course, as I mentioned, I've got a ton of programs to help you. I got my brand and business clarity mentoring. I've got my messaging. I got all kinds of stuff. So if you need help, like getting unstuck in these areas with your perspective limits, your skill limits, your strategy, anything that relates to you not being able to activate the business that's on your heart and mind, definitely let's talk. Head on over to www.betsyjordan services, book a call with me. Either way, I'd love to help or just continue listening to this podcast or take advantage of all the free resources I have on my website or on my YouTube channel. And for sure, be on the lookout for episodes that will be dropping over the next few weeks where you're going to hear leadership and consulting wisdom and insight direct from seriously amazing executives. And until then, thanks for listening. Thank you for tuning in. If today's episode lit a fire in you, please rate and review Enough Already on Apple Podcasts or subscribe wherever you listen. And if you're looking for your next step, visit me on my website at BetsyJordan.com and it's Betsy Jordan with a Y and you'll learn all about our end-to-end services that are custom designed to accelerate your success. Don't wait, start today.